Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're under the influence with Alex Hoynatska from Magic Links, the global leader in social commerce for YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok video influencers. Alex is an absolute encyclopedia of knowledge and insights about influencer marketing, and this one went deep on why a great influencer program is more than just incredible conversion rates, aka the halo effect, why live shopping is a tsunami of opportunity for brands and creators alike in the next few years. We'll talk about owned versus rented spaces, and the one factor that's more important than follower count or engagement rates when it comes to choosing influencers to work with. Stick around until the end to hear a great answer to the 50k question that lays out what a starter Q4 influencer campaign would look like. Hope you enjoy it. On with the show. It's that opportunity to democratize marketing. It's seeing yourself in a brand story versus back in the day you had celebrities or models that were not relatable. Influencers, the reason why we've seen them grow so tremendously is because they're so relatable. Having real people share their stories, be vulnerable, there's something for everybody. No matter who you are, what your style is, what you're going through, you can find an influencer that represents you and shares in your values and then having them incorporate stories around what brands they use, what they love, all of that really helps build a really successful marketing plan. Hello, Alex. You have been in the influencer marketing game for a minute now. Can you start with your hero's journey in the influencer marketing space? Yeah, it's it's a it's a long journey. I've been in the space for over ten years, so it's quite a uh, quite long of a journey, comparatively speaking, since this space is still so nascent. I started out working for a company called Pop Sugar Shop Style. Um, Pop Sugar owned Shop Style. We helped bloggers make money before Instagram was a thing, if you can believe it. Um, that ages me a lot. But started out on my journey helping bloggers monetize their content through affiliate links and seeing the growth over the last 10 years. It's evolved way past just organic affiliate monetization. It's evolved way past just blogs. Clearly, platforms like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat all have powered the creation of the influencer as they stand today. And there's so much going on in the influencer space. But where I'm at now in in terms of the journey is really taking in all of that I learned from the last 10 years in bringing brands together with influencers for successful campaigns in a whole host of ways in terms of brands just tapping into the power of influence to where we sit today is just trying to figure out and navigate the changes in influencer marketing, the changes in platforms, how brands can best tap into the creator space because it's still... Like I said, it's still nascent and it's still a very, very much a uh, black hole of how do we do this? Who do we do it with? What's the best strategy? And that is so fun for me because I love the idea of influencers and I always have since the very beginning, which is what's kept me in the space for so long and which is what excites me every single day. It's, it's that opportunity to democratize marketing. It's 
seeing yourself in a brand story versus back in the day, you know, you had the celebrities or models that were not relatable influencers. The reason why they're so successful, the reason why we've seen them grow so tremendously is because they're so relatable. Having real people share their stories, be vulnerable. There's something for everybody. And I feel that no matter who you are, what your style is, what you're going through, you can find an influencer that represents you and shares in your values. And then having them incorporate, you know, stories around what brands they use, what they love, all of that really helps build a really successful marketing plan. So this just clarification of terms, I come from the agency side where we're using influencer content, user-generated content, employee-generated content uh, in order to fuel the ad campaigns. It's literally what's working for you know most of the clients that are run on the account. So even aside from um, you know this this content is just so valuable. But what you're also you're really talking about influence as well, like literally using the platforms of each of these people. Like this is classic influencer marketing. I know this maybe sounds weird to belabor this, but coming from the paid side, the idea idea of influencers in and of themselves being their own traffic source is is novel. That that is the beauty of it, right? Like an influencer, a creator, now what we call them creators, the term creator, we use the term influencer, they essentially mean the same thing, you're creating content. Uh, but your point is is really valid and something to consider because an influencer is a photographer, a storyteller, and a marketer. And they've built their audience around this aspect of relatability that I mentioned, and they've known how to build their audience. Every influencer has their own strategy on how they get, you know, a million YouTube subscribers or 500,000 Instagram followers or the engagement rate that they have on their TikTok channel. They work hard to do that. So it's not only about using their likeness and their presence in the content because their audience will see it and, and, and relate to it, but using them as a traffic source is important to consider in, in the holistic uh, strategy when you're working with an influencer. It's not to skip out on that at all because they've done such a great job building the quote unquote empire that they have or are in the process of building that. And I think that's important to call out too. It's a lot of times when we think about influencer, we think about people who have millions of followers, but there are lots of incredible influencers who have maybe 200,000 followers where they have such strong engagement rates, loyal communities, and their face resonates across the board as well. So it's not, you know, follower account isn't the end all be all. In fact, it's really not a metric we care that much about unless the goal is is really eyeballs. And even then there's something more that we need to look at. But Tapping into the actual audiences of the creators is really important to consider too. So I'm glad you're you're differentiating those two things. Yeah, I think it's critical. You also mentioned something in the pre-interview that I liked is it's sort of like with the right influencer, you can change the perception of your brand forever. You can, you know, if someone loves that influencer, building into the fact that that's part of their life, you're, you're having this this other sort of latent effect of, of all of these positive vibes towards your brand with all the people that resonate with that influencer, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the value of a creator too. I think that taking a step back in terms of measuring success, it's not just one metric that matters because these creators, these influencers are so jam-packed. You're getting so many aspects in, in one person. Like I said, you, you're getting the storyteller, the photographer, the marketer. And within that, you have to take a holistic approach in measuring their impact. And so 
yes, they can drive sales. So you can see, okay, my influencer program drove a million dollars in sales last year, but it also had 10% engagement, which is above the benchmark for the platform, which is amazing that the consumers, the their audiences are engaging with this particular story. And it also had a lift in brand sentiment. So if you look at you know, what the audiences are saying, how the influencers are integrating your brand and integrating your products into their content, you can see that six months ago, no one knew or no one talked about how wonderful the products you carry are. And now people are saying, wow, I didn't know you guys carried that brand, or I didn't know you had these types of products, or I always thought about you as a fashion retailer. I didn't know you carried home products too. I love the home products. So there's this sentiment that's so important to track and to consider when we're doing creator and influencer initiatives because again, it's there's so much to it. You're getting beautiful content, you're getting traffic, you're getting sales, and you're getting that shift in not only brand awareness, awareness building, but brand alignment. And you're also getting back to the my my paid background. If you can also arrange with these creators to use the content on your side, is are you able to take the content and use it on your advertising side under certain arrangements? Absolutely. So the standard is 30 days owned and operated. So every campaign that we run with creators, um, we typically already have that in there. So if a brand wants to repost on their social channels. They just need to give the influencer a shout out and it's already there. However, if they do want to put paid spend behind it and give that content added distribution, which a lot of brands do, and it's a really great idea, obviously, if you have a piece of content that's going viral or the influencer, their own audiences have an incredibly high engagement rate. For example, if you have a TikTok video the creator's normal engagement rate is 10%, but this particular video with your products in it is getting a 25% engagement rate. That's huge. You want to boost it. Typically what that looks like is obtaining usage rates. Um, usage rates are typically 30% of the influencer fee. So if the influencer, you know, whatever they charge for that piece of content, you're going to pay another 30% for the usage rates of that content. And then you can do whatever you'd like with that content, put paid spend behind it, have the influencer also boost it on their channels. You can retarget people who have engaged with that ad as well. There's so much you can do with that piece of content. And I think it's a great idea because it, again, it just gives it more legs and these creators are, are really good at what they do. So hopefully that piece of content, it really resonates and is, is worthwhile for you to put more money behind it to get added distribution. Here's a question. For the brands that you work with, do they view influencer marketing as like a pulsed, where they come up with campaigns and they pulse spend through it for by quarter, by month? Or are brands just sort of spending continually uh, with you every month? Brands who are the most savvy are spending continually every month. And they, they do that for a number of reasons. And it's not continuous with the same creators. You're always refilling the funnel. So you're always kind of iterating on what you're doing every single month. If you have 10 creators in one month, you do the, you know, you do the reporting in month two and you say, actually four of those creators absolutely killed it for us. High engagement rate, great sales, whatever it is, great content, whatever you deem as success, every brand has a KPI and each campaign has a separate KPI, by the way. 
it's never a good idea to say, I want this campaign to do everything because the casting is very different based on that. But typically brands will say there's one track running for brand awareness, one track running for conversion and sales, and one track running to find new micro nano influencers. And I'm doing that on a monthly basis and I'm seeing who's performing and keeping them on as brand ambassadors. And I'm continually building my brand ambassador list. So by the end of the year, I have a solid set of creators who are now my brand ambassadors and I can keep them on for a multi-year program. The reason why that works is because it is the best way of getting your message across and getting that brand affinity and loyalty from their audiences. Uh, the, the stat, I think it changes, but right now as it stands, I think a, a consumer has to see something seven times before they take action. So if you're doing a one and done campaign with a creator and the creator has never spoke about your brand before, they're going to need some time to educate their consumer base, their audience as to why they love your brand, why they love your products. It depends on the category. Obviously, fashion and beauty is a lot easier because you can see the results right away. If you're a you know nutritional supplement or something where you need to use a product over time to see results, definitely going to need to send that product way in advance and have the influencers use it. Building those relationships over time is key, not only for the influencer loyalty, for the influencer to create content even that goes above and beyond what the contract terms are. We've seen that too, where the creator will just create extra added content because they love the brand. But it's so important for the audience to know that this is an actually a real partnership, that the brand resonates with the creator and that it's authentic. It all goes back to, to authenticity. I feel like, you know, I cringe when I, when I remember, I think it was like the Kardashians or like Scott Disick when they were doing the like, hair care, hair bear gummies. It just seems so salesy and transparent. And that's not what works nowadays, especially with Gen Z audiences where they can smell BS from a mile away. They want this to be a product you really use. And we see that with our influencer audiences. I've definitely seen creators speak on behalf of a brand they've never used and their audience calls them out for it. Like, I can't imagine you using this product or I can't imagine that this is actually a product you have in your kitchen cabinet. And the creator had to explain. And it was, you know, again, it's it's about finding those partnerships that aren't going to get those call outs, that are going to be truly aligned and authentic. And that's what we do at Magic Links, we matchmake the right brands and influencers. That matchmaking process is so important. So I went on a little bit of a tangent with your question. I know you asked, do brands typically do a one and done or an always on? We call it an always on. The most savvy ones will definitely consider this an ongoing initiative and, and they'll see and they'll reap the rewards of that. You will definitely gain momentum over time. In the instance where you build up, you started with you uh, and you're growing throughout the year, you build up all your influencers and your ambassadors over the year. Are you sort of like activating all assets in Q4 in a way too? Is sort of, are you reactivating? And my question is, do are brands really raising their spend in Q4 on uh, influencer marketing or, or does it stay the same? No, there there is definitely a seasonal trend and depends on the brand, but most brands are raising their spend in Q4. A couple of reasons for that. 
Prices are more expensive in Q4. There's less inventory. There's more people activating because there's always going to be the brands that only activate during Q4. So you're going to have everybody bombarding the creators, asking for inventory. And as a creator, not every day is going to be sponsored. That just isn't how you know, they create content. So there's limited amount of inventory and the inventory that exists is for those brands that have those like deeper partnerships where the influencers already know how to work with them. So again, if a brand is just coming in and wanting to get in on the holiday action, the prices are going to be a little bit more expensive. Generally speaking, influencer pricing is going up anyway. That's a whole other conversation, but yes, more spend in Q4. Typically we see a lift, like the seasonal trends are obviously Q4 being the biggest. Q3 is pretty big at this point too, with Q1 and Q2 being a bit softer. That's just, yeah, Q3 this summer, I guess, right? So people are, you know, in, in, out and spending and wanting to look their best and all that. Yeah. Um, really cool. So there's honestly so much to talk about. I know our audience like just loves influencer marketing. It's such a powerful piece. Let's just go back. You mentioned authenticity as being a, a trend that sort of dominate. It's not, not dom- It's sort of like uh, table stakes in a lot of ways in the space. Um, what other trends are you seeing with influencer marketing that are just, just doing really well these days? Well, video content, um, and that's just uh, video content in general, and that's our expertise. And video content has been big for a long time, but mostly on YouTube. And obviously with TikTok coming into the fold, there's this trend of just raw video too. It's, you know, Instagram is a little bit more perfected, uh, professional. You see, you know, you can say a space is so Instagrammable and that just means it's such a beautiful, beautiful space and, and great for shooting content. However, TikTok is a little bit more raw and quote unquote real and off the cuff. So there's there's room for it all, but definitely that like raw, real off the cuff content is gaining a lot of traction, obviously seeing the, the growth on TikTok and just having fun with it, um, passion that comes through. The other trend that we're seeing that is important to mention here is live shopping. So this has been very popular in um, the Asian markets and is not even close to hitting a tipping point in the U.S. So it's definitely up and coming. We're seeing the platforms invest in live shopping. TikTok just invested in some distribution centers, which just indicates this increased investment and bet on live shopping, which is a signal to the rest of the industry that this is going to be something that we need to take a look at. Very few brands are doing this right now. And I think some of the most savvy ones are uh, creating really robust live shopping programs. We just did a six month live shopping program with a very major multi-brand retailer. We saw so much success from that. Um, And what I mean by success is the campaign in and of itself was meant to be a, a test to see how they can better align with a Gen Z audience, how they can get impressions and views, not necessarily brand awareness because they have high brand awareness, but brand alignment with a new audience and with a different category and with different products and brands and obviously engagement. So in this six month program with live shopping, one thing that we noticed was how different each of the platforms play a role because we did the live shopping events across platforms. So on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok was really interesting because this is where we saw, in our opinion, and this is my opinion, 
the greatest success because TikTok was able to tap into new audiences because they're promoting live shopping so heavily across the platform. So it's the also brand the, the was, platform that has the the cheapest. Sorry, to, it also is the platform that just is still the, the most free with your own audience as well, right? It, is, totally. it hasn't reined in the control you have on your own audience as much on other platforms like Instagram. Totally, exactly, yeah. So there's, and it's growing tremendously. They're seeing exponential growth. So in terms of utilizing the platform for for brand awareness for reach, TikTok is great. The conversion piece is still a little questionable on TikTok right now. There's, we're working through that. Whereas YouTube and Instagram are more on solid footing and solid ground when it comes to driving conversion with tools like the swipe ups and, and incorporating links into the actual stories. Whereas TikTok is still heavily reliant on link and bio. But that being said, TikTok has a, you know, a vast audience and you can get a lot done there in terms of reaching a big, you know, a big group of people. So the live shopping events, we're so successful. Users love them because they're these creators, they have a fan base and their audience loves seeing their content, of course. But anytime you can get a personal touch point with a creator, whether that's an in-person event or something like a live shopping event where you can real time ask them questions. I mean, people, people love it. And it's a really great way to showcase products, whether it's beauty, fashion, or your morning routine, whatever that live shopping event is about, you get this like real raw interaction and you can see how something fits. You can see how somebody uses a particular product and it's just really engaging. And so the amount of engagement we saw with these live shopping events exceeded the benchmarks. And so it, it was definitely eye-opening for us in letting us know which platforms to really lean into with live shopping and how to best create a very robust live shopping program in the future, given that this trend is just starting to evolve. And like I said, it has not hit its tipping point yet. I think we're- Not even close in North America. It's hundreds close. of millions of people in China and overseas right now that are doing it. And it's also, it's, it's the best because it's, 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 you're showcasing your products, but you're the best thing that, you know, one of our uh, best insights in, in when creating UGC is, and EGC is you show people using the product. And in this case, you're showing them the product, which is your store. You're showing them how to shop in your store, which, and also showing the products. So it's like, it's that one step of literally showing people, okay, here's what it looks like to shop in this store for hours or whatever. And it's, uh, it's just absolutely, it's just, it's going to be a tsunami here. I think you have to think, I think for me, one one things we haven't talked about is the whole creator side of things in, in the current like economy in the current like nature of the economy right now, more and more people are going to be looking for ways to, to make money, to, to leverage their own audiences, leverage what they've built on social media. And this, and live shopping is just, is a trend in that. I have a friend who's a comedian in Las Vegas and she's just been hired by a bingo company to play live like bingo online. She just, and she has this huge following now that she's developed from people that just like watching casino games and it's, it's, yeah, it's a trend that's just starting. Wait, I love all of your influencer friend examples. I definitely started following your friend who does home automation on TikTok and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
It's amazing. Shout out Brett Turner. We just have to, I'll just relay the story. He's, he's a, a media buyer at, uh, at our sister company here, Helmkin, and he started, he loves home automation. He has it so when he uh, hits his two feet down out of bed, not just one foot, it has to be two feet, it turns on his coffee maker. He actually implanted something in his hand. Anyway, but he's found the perfect Venn diagram for creators of something that he loves, something that he can make content about, and something that's like, something that people love watching, and something that's mon- easily monetizable. He was telling me some of his numbers from his affiliate programs when when you're actually like when you're caught up with someone and they're passionate about something and you get passionate too the conversion rates that you can create on click through from that are just astronomical yeah you mentioned something so important on the creator side there's so many creators who are passionate about things and they've you know they've created their own channels and that missing piece is well this content isn't easily monetizable or it's not as obvious you know when you have a recipe channel and you share your recipes, it's, it's wonderful and it's great content and people are so engaged in it. Um, and you can have, you know, again, for, uh, for the affiliate piece, um, it's not great because people aren't buying those products online, but they are buying them in store. So your brand deals are the way to go. So it's just about teaching the creator exactly how to monetize their content for their specific category or niche because there's definitely like your friend Brett that's that's a great affiliate opportunity you can drive so much in revenue and sales and impact online but then there are things that would only rely on brand partnerships where the affiliate piece is a little bit more tricky totally I was curious because I know it, it's such a broad space that we have We have a, a lot of listeners. I think a lot of them are in that like one to five million range. I know we have a, a lot that are higher and probably some that are lower as well. But I wanted you to describe a little bit of like the ideal life cycle of someone who comes on to work with Magic Links, like starting when their budgets are low and then assume massive success. And like, what does that like customer life cycle look like? What do they, what do brands start with with you? Yeah. So there's really three layers of working with Magic Links. And these three layers, I'll describe them one by one. And they kind of address different tiers of influencers as well. So the first layer is just pure organic integration. That means a brand integrates onto Magic Links, meaning that we plug into their inventory. We have an affiliate offer. The brand says for every link that's generated that drives a sale, I will pay the creator 20% of that sale. That is the baseline way of working with creators. And this assumes these are creators that care about affiliate. So like I said, that recipe creator is not going to care about affiliate, but Brett might, but a reviewer of Apple products or Samsung products might, a fashion creator might. And these are people that are interested in tracking their activity and their content. So for example, if I am a creator on TikTok, I have a link in bio. I constantly share my favorite outfits, especially fitness. I'm a fitness creator and I share all of my like aloe yoga. I go into magic links. I find aloe yoga. I create links to my favorite aloe yoga products and then I organically integrate them into my content. The brand isn't coming to me specifically. I just love aloe yoga and I want to share it with my audience, but I also want to see if my audience is clicking on it and I want to see if they're buying. If they are buying, I want to get credit for it. Basic organic way. The brands in this way of working with us cannot guarantee any sort of exposure. You are just allowing yourself to be discoverable in the platform. And if creators already love you, 
they will link to you. This is great for brands like Aloe Yoga or Zara that already have a vast amount of creators that are just looking and craving the link creation and wanting to, you know, drive traffic and sales to the platform so they can make money. For a new brand starting out, it's not so easy because you have to educate the audience as to why they should link to your brand. You have to assume that people are already using your products. People are not already using your products. There's a little bit more that you have to do. So the second layer of the way brands work with us is product seeding and gifting. Now, this assumes more of the micro and the nano tier. These are creators that care about getting free products in exchange for content. So you're not going to find anyone with millions of followers. Those people do not care so much about affiliate and they do not care so much about free gifts. They want branded deals. They want campaign dollars. Um, But the affiliate and the gifting and products uh, seeding, that's more of the nano, micro and the mid tier. So the gifting suite allows brands to tap into our matchmaking. I call it matchmaking. We call it match intelligence, which is our proprietary data that looks at our network to see, is this influencer a good fit for your brand based on a number of different factors? Um, The gifting suite allows brands to provide free product in exchange for guaranteed content. The brand does not have so much control over this. They're just posting the opportunity. Magic Links is vetting the creators and we are vetting the content on the brand's behalf. So that's a really great way to tap into that micro and the nano layer and get lots of content created across many months and start building that brand awareness, brand loyalty, um, and driving traffic to your site. And then the third layer, which is the most robust, it's the most custom, it's the way that brands can really have full control over all the messaging, full control over the casting, the influencers, who they are, et cetera. And that's our match intelligence layer. That's when the brand says, I have $30,000 per month to spend on activating influencers. I want to activate mommy influencers or I want to activate doctors or health and wellness influencers or anyone who has a high conversion rate in luxury fashion or anyone who has an audience in um, California, whatever it is, we customize every single thing. We customize it to the KPI of the brand. We cast the right influencers. They create the content. We monitor everything for FTC compliance. They can have usage rights to this content. We can put paid spend behind it. It's a really like customized, robust program. So those are the three layers from start to finish. Obviously, the organic baseline way is the least expensive and it's primarily aside from the integration fee you only pay when you drive a sale and then the other layers it gets gets more expensive the more control you have and the more uh, the higher the tier of influencer you want to work with as well what would a launch look like for a brand who's just kind of maybe getting into this kind of influencer marketing? They probably run UGC content and things like that, but actually getting into influencer networks, what what would a campaign look like? So say they're like a, you know, two, three million dollar company. Would it like how many influencers would you suggest? Yeah, I would suggest probably spending around fifty thousand dollars. And in that fifty thousand dollars, you tap into all three layers that I spoke about. So you're getting the integration. We're promoting you to our entire network and seeing which, you know, which creators are already, you know, resonating with your brand and linking organically. Then we tap into the gifting uh, product seeding layer a little bit, and that would be about 10 creators 
um, that would be more in the micro tier. And then we would then cast about five creators in the top tier, millions of followers, whether it's TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, whatever the goal is. And then you would have a very holistic program of, you know, known names who influence influencers influence one another. So there is this like snowball halo effect as well. So that that 50K program uh, is a really great way to get your feet wet and, and look at all the different tiers and see, okay, where am I going to find the most success and how do I keep moving forward with this influencer game? It's funny. I always ask the 50K question at the end, like, what would you do if we gave you 50K, you know, for a client or whatever um, to run? And so that's the perfect answer. You just, that's the, the get your feet wet in influence, start the halo effect and uh, start building out your influence. What, what I'm curious about, so I, you know, there are a lot of players in the influencer marketing space, aside from you who appear to be a, an incredible encyclopedia of influencer marketing, what makes magic links magic? Oh yeah, I love that question. There's there's so many players. The industry is there's um, is very fragmented. I would say there's a few things. Um, a lot of the players out there are not actual influencer networks. They're social listening tools that allow brands to kind of do their own scouting to search and discover influencers um, in in that way. It's really difficult to know which influencers to work with. It's one of the biggest pieces to influencer marketing success. And what makes us magic is that we have our match intelligence that helps that matchmaking process and and blend that data and that science um, with the art and the expertise that we've had over the last nine plus years, 10 plus years. So we we have a bird's eye view of all the campaigns that we've run. Um, we have about 5,000 videos created every single month across all categories, across all brands. And so just tapping into our knowledge, tapping into our bird's eye view of what's working, what's not is really key. The, the match intelligence is, I would say, the biggest differentiator of what makes us magic. Our video expertise, we've been in the video game before anyone else. We started out helping video uh, creators on YouTube specifically. So just having that, again, having that expertise with something that is so important in engaging consumers is key. But I would definitely highlight that our, our data, because we have that base affiliate layer, we have the data on influencers beyond just, oh, they have a million followers and they have a 10% engagement rate. Well, we know, do they convert at a $250 price point or do they not? We know all these things because of our data. And so that all feeds into our match intelligence, which is magic. And the other magic, the intangible side a little bit is that authenticity, right? Is there anything else that's on that intangible list of things that you're really looking for when looking for successful uh, influencer collabs? I think... Obviously, there's a lot that goes into a successful partnership with creators, and, and there's a lot that we look at, whether the creator is willing to do the work, if they're willing to work with the brand, if they're... So it goes beyond just the numbers and the authenticity, right? You want to make sure that that influencer cares about what the brand is doing. Otherwise, it just seems so forced and unrelatable. But yeah, is the influencer easy to work with? Will they go above and beyond for the brand? Or is their content brand safe? I mean, we take that very, very seriously. Um, so 
that all goes into that like art piece of it, the expertise of it. Like, okay, this is going to be aligned. Um, and it's, it's, you know, also life moments. There are times where that brand will be aligned and times where it won't. We just know a lot about our creators. We know who just got engaged, who just found out they were pregnant. That also plays a big role, um, in, in deciding which influencers to work with because it's an opportunity for, you know, a brand in like a, a bye bye baby, for example, or a baby list. Um, obviously they're going to want to work with people who, who have audiences who are having babies, but that's kind of hard to infer. So it's, it's that art of like, oh, this, this creator actually has a lot of a big audience in this age range that are likely to experience this life moment soon. Um, so all of that gets weaved into the, the casting. You mentioned um, live shopping as obviously a huge part of the the future of influencer marketing. I can just see it catching on like wildfire in the next couple of years here. Is there anything else you'd, you'd call out for your vision of the, the future of, of, of influencer marketing? I think that there's, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot that we talk about. Obviously, more data and insights from the brand perspective. I think more brands are looking for more transparency in how influencer marketing performs. And, and that's a really good thing, right? Because now you're kind of like, you're looking at influencers that really do make an impact versus blowing all of your money on something that is, uh, doesn't stick. And I know a lot of brands have gotten burnt in the past with their investment in influencer because they didn't know how to select the right ones. And I think that selection process, again, there's this trend of, understanding exactly what makes an impactful creator. And it's the idea that engagement rate does not mean conversion. Follower count does not mean engagement rate. They're kind of all separate things that we need to look at. And so I, I feel like on the brand side, that's that's a big trend to, to consider just overall measurement of creator success and influencer marketing success. Um, and the, the, the scrutiny and the visibility and the transparency, um, there's a lot happening there. Um, for example, Creator IQ acquired Tribe Dynamics, who reports on earned media value. Is earned media value a real metric? It, it's the only metric we, quote unquote, can have right now because there's no other equivalent. However, Magic Links is developing a lot of different ways to, to gather insights and measure offline impact um, full funnel, earned media value. So all of that, we're definitely seeing that trend on the brand side and tapping into it and making sure we're providing full funnel reporting for our brands and making sure all of that is is transparent and visible so you know exactly what you're getting and exactly how an influencer campaign is doing. And then just like on the creator side, it's just watching the platforms kind of evolve um with the you know with these trends like you mentioned live shopping just generally speaking certain trends um how how brands can tap into tiktok whether they need to layer paid on top of tiktok that is something that we're seeing a lot of where tiktok features in organic aren't as robust as the paid so we call it the tiktok two-step if you're running a tiktok campaign making sure paid spend and boosting is incorporated into that plan. That's a big trend. And yeah, I think just, you know, keeping an eye on alignment, authenticity, relatability, and making sure you don't sell out on the brand side or the creator side. 
What's, I'm just on your website here. I, I'm curious. What's text to shop? Is that is that like do a lot of influencers have uh, mobile numbers, SMS numbers of their followers? Yeah, that was um, something that we launched in partnership with Community, and it was a way for creators to kind of work around that um, lack of direct communication they had with their audiences. So this is a bigger conversation around owned and rented spaces, right? So the platforms themselves, like TikTok, YouTube. Facebook, et cetera, they're all rented spaces for the creators and the creators know they're always reliant on the algorithm and the algorithm can either do you some really big favors or it can really screw you. And it's just this game of navigating that can, can get tiresome and, and it's the game they have to play. They have no option, right? These platforms are helping fuel their growth. However, that does not mean that they don't have the ability to build direct one-to-one relationships with their audiences outside of these platforms. Email and mobile texting have been those two ways. And of course, like if the, if the creator has their own blog or their own um, website, that's another, that's another option too. But the direct communication really comes through email and, and texting. And so our partnership with community was meant to enable our creators to build that relationship with their audiences And we use it in campaigns where it's not so easy to just click through and shop, right? So for example, TikTok videos, yes, you have the link in bio, but it's all, there's, there's still so much friction on TikTok in terms of being able to click and buy something. So the idea just even wanting to get off that platform because it's so entertaining. Exactly. (laughs) So entertaining. Um, but yeah, text to shop is is a tool that some of our creators use. Again, it's a way of them building that one-to-one relationship. And if a brand wants to include that um, in the campaign, we have that as an option with the creators that have that. Not all of our creators use it. And as more creators get savvy to that owned versus rented paradigm, like that could really be a big part. I think I think influencers are getting savvier and savvier by the by the quarter here about you know when you look at their costs and and what they're worth, they're becoming more marketing oriented. So it, I think that could be a really interesting trend for them is to start owning their audiences more than just renting it from the big platforms. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's a conversation that's happening in the creator space right now. I want to have more of those, actually. I'd love to have – I think I've got to have Brett on the podcast here. We'll have Brett on yes, and we'll talk about uh, his creator game. I think I think our audience is, is interested. There's a lot of crossover. It's really important to understand the creator perspective as a brand because, I mean, that's the biggest roadblock I see sometimes is brands thinking that they're buying an ad, but they're humans. And these are humans creating this content. So understanding the perspective of the creator, you having Brett on would be so insightful, so helpful for for brands to put themselves in the shoes of the creator so that they can better understand how to work with creators too. And that's something that at Magic Links, we oftentimes have to explain. This is a process. This is not... It's not as easy as just buying inventory on you know Facebook or, or an ad, which those... Those are great tools and really helpful and easy, but this is this is a process, and which is why it's so important that these creators do bring more than that to the table. Going tying this back to the fact that they are photographers, storytellers, and and marketers all in one, they kind of have to be because it's so it, it takes a lot to uh, to be able to tap into the right ones and have and build relationships with them and have and create a really robust program. That's where the magic is. 
Uh, I think you're absolutely right. This was a lot of fun having you on the D2C podcast. We'll have to come back. Maybe next time you can bring some creators. Yeah, um, that'd be great. But if people want to know more about Magic Links, I assume they go to magiclinks.com. Uh, what, do, what do you recommend? Go to magiclinks.com. You can also, if you're a brand wanting to connect directly with me, find me on LinkedIn. Um, I don't know if you have show notes on here. My name is so hard to spell, but on LinkedIn, I'm just linkedin.com slash A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R-A-C-H-O-J-N-A-C-K-A. My full name. Um, You can find me there. Connect with me. I answer a lot of questions on there from brands around influencer marketing. So feel free to do that. But otherwise, find us at Magic Links and someone will reach out to you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.